0: Hey everybody, great episode with Julie Granger coming up tele-sanity and how to find that joy in what you're doing. Uh, We talk about how to take care of yourself, how to take care of your clients, how to move from in-person to online, both as a therapist as well as the technicalities of setting up telehealth. Um, And we talk about a whole range of different things. It's a long podcast, but it's a good podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Drop a like, drop a share, drop a comment, and tell everybody about it because we're trying to put out lots of great content for you. Okay, the episode is coming up right after this usual introduction. Hi, welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective.
1: And I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. Together we interview leading authorities, we answer questions and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information that we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember that the materials and the content on this podcast are intended as general information and they're for entertainment purposes only
0: they are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now sit back, grab your favorite beverage, or do your thing and enjoy the show.
1: We're now streaming live on Facebook. (laughs) 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 Theme song,
2: song. theme song.
0: I Good morning
2: Julie. Good morning. Good, Good evening. evening. <laughs> we don't know what time it is.
1: We don't know what day it is.
2: Mm-mm.
1: No. It's all very complicated right now. How are you? It's all,
2: just, it's all just one constant day of news I think and change. That's. I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm.
1: What's happening? What's happening in your neck of the woods?
2: I am currently stationed outside of Atlanta, um, Georgia, where I'm from. Uh, My husband and I travel full-time in a camper and it's in the repair shop. So we're staying at my parents' house at the moment and kind of living it up with mom and dad, um, which has been good (laughs) for the most part. And I am busy as can be um, with my business and my clients and just keeping keeping it real for everyone and keeping it real grounded and calm for everyone. so I'm really happy to be talking about that with you guys.
1: So say you you look really relaxed and happy. this is yeah. this is not the face of people that I'm seeing much at no, the moment.
2: <laughs> I know. and it's completely understandable why there's a lot of stress going on and um, you know, I don't think it, it's it's the type of thing where, there's a lot of people putting posts out there. They're like, everyone needs to just calm down. And I, I love, I've seen a meme that says never in the history of uh, emotions have, has telling someone to calm down worked. Um,
1: <laughs> but um, yeah, I tried that with my kids, you know, when they're really <laughs> irrational and you get, yeah, and you get angry at them and you go, ah, can you just calm down? No, that doesn't work. That actually just ne- never, ever it makes ever it worse. Works. <laughs> yeah. Funnily sure. enough. So, so yes, calm the heck yeah. down. No, no, take a few breaths.
2: Yeah. And the <sighs> human brain is always going to be looking for, just as we talk about in like pain science, the human brain, the limbic system, the protector brain is always going to be looking for the thing that we need to hone in on to pr- protect us. And I'm for those who might be just listening to the podcast, I'm doing air quotes um, mm-hmm. protect us in that it's a perception of threat, perception of needing control, perception of panic and stress. And yes, there are things out there that are changing that are, we have to keep up with and feel threatening, but it's still a perception by the brain. Um, and so it's really mm-hmm. easy to mm-hmm. only focus in on those things and keep picking up the phone and keep like looking for the next thing in the US, looking at CNN or Fox News or the BBC or like whatever. Okay, what's the next thing of news? And, you know, it's easy to say, just don't look at the news, but we actually get a dopamine payoff from the perceived protection we're getting by reading the news. And so if you just say, take away the dopamine, it's an addiction at that point. You're gonna, you're gonna crave it. You're gonna find a way. You're gonna pick up the phone anyway. You're gonna sneak the phone to yourself, even though you've sworn you're gonna put it down. Um, so it's a little more complex than just saying "don't read the news."
1: <laughs> for sure, and I think when you're saying like you, you're looking for for some kind of control or something, uh, an action or something to do. I mean, Anthony I, Anthony and I were talking about this last week. But one of the biggest stresses for both of us was actually continuing to see continuing to see patients face to face. I was yeah. actually quite a lot of sleep because I had. Uh, there was that, that cognitive dissonance of like I my patients you know they need me you know and I want to help them and we all feel that you know we want to be needed and we like that human connection uh we like earning an income there's all of that that stuff and then there's this other part of the brain that is saying you you've seen the news you know what's going on you've spoken to your colleagues overseas you need to stop seeing people and you need to mm-hmm. lock yourself down and there was that internal struggle that I was finding was was actually making me very anxious and I think actually one of the actions for me that actually made me feel less anxious was just making that decision and saying I I just need to stop that and just move everything online Um, and that actually helped.
2: Yeah that that was kind of for a lot of people who own clinics or run businesses or even our employees and businesses there was sort of the the first wave and we're still getting through this decision-making of, do I close? Do I stay open? Do I see my clients? Am I an essential service? Am I needed? Can I do this if I'm a one-on-one provider? So much going on and so much coming in, in terms of what's the right thing to do. Um, And, you know, some from the government, some from your colleagues, like you said, and then you have the the giver in you that wants to serve and wants to help and then there's also let's be real the money maker who's like "Ah, what do i do with my revenue right and you get you feel like you're being torn in 12 different directions and you know what i liken it to is it's it's, this is maybe on a grander scale at least in the the urgency and the stories we're telling about it and the perceptions we have about it um it's like a sick day in many ways right like you're told by the doctor, take time off of work, right? In one side of your head, you're like, I really shouldn't be seeing people, you know. In another side of your brain, you're like, but who's gonna see them, right? I'm the only provider or I'm the only person, and they're they're not gonna get better, or their knee's gonna still hurt, or whatever, you know? Um, and you you end up in that cognitive dissonance, like you mentioned. And at the end of the day, the important thing here is to understand that it's all perceptions, right? These are all stories, they're all choices. And um, there's not really a right or wrong. And I know Anthony's really big on there's no right or wrong in life and anything. I completely agree, there's no rules. And ultimately you are not the victim of all that's happening, you're, in, you're still in control. And that's where we get that out of control is, there's all these things that are being asked of me, I'm the victim of it, Yet you still are the one who is putting the food in your mouth, who's pulling the trigger on things, who's deciding and stepping into a place of power and love and what feels like the path of least resistance is often the best thing. So to our sick day analogy, right, everybody knows that when you finally make the decision, okay, I'm going to call in sick or you finally make the decision, okay. I'm gonna cancel all my patients today. This weight gets lifted, right? And the weight is simply there because we're putting it on ourselves by all of the stories and all of the things. And instead, tapping into your intuition and your heart and asking what it is you truly value and stand for is the most important thing, right? And let's be clear, I'm not saying everyone has to close their business right now because in some places maybe it's viable, but um, you know, whatever your heart says is best, excluding what all the noise is but using the information you can objectively gather is what can bring some of that stress off for sure for that piece of the decision making yeah
0: yeah totally the um the yeah that stress is is very difficult in the self-care and we were talking before the show started julie that there's a lot of anxiety going on out there lots of uncertainty and um you know you made a great point that yeah physiotherapists physical therapists particularly manual therapists yeah where we there's a lot of anxiousness about going to telehealth and what that's going to look like and and you know there's other professions uh, you know we were talking about chiropractors but also you know massage therapists and anybody that does touching like how does a hairdresser do virtual haircuts you know like <laughs> yeah it actually, I had I had a friend, I had somebody online say that they're going to pay their hairdresser, still sit, have their appointment, but do a remote thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I, I
0: think you can too, to be honest.
2: I'm down um, for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, now, we are on Facebook Live as well. So if you're uh, on, and I can see that you're all on, um, drop a comment. Uh, tell us what you're thinking. Tell us about your worries and yeah. concerns. Tell us about your questions that you have about your future. We're here to support you. Julie is a fantastic uh, physical therapist. She works with teenagers. She works with all ages, really. And she does health and business coaching as well. So um, it's fantastic to have you back on the podcast, Julie. Thank you. Um, Thank you, guys. And, oh, look, it's its fun. And, um, you know, we just want to make sure that people stay sane and find that joy, you know, in this, in this shift to telehealth. Um, oh. So we don't have tele insanity.
2: Tele sanity, tele insanity. You're right. We'll keep tele sanity. I mean, it's you know, I think that what you mentioned about so much anxiety, like everything out there has an energy and a vibration to it. All the molecules are always moving, and everything, even though things look like they're sitting still. And that the truth is that in in the universe, regardless of what you kind of believe, there's always change always changes. The only way we notice anything And right now, there's lots of it. I mean, there's just a ton of it. And every day in our lives is uncertain. Every moment of our lives is uncertain. You had no idea what I was about to say, and you weren't about to keel over with panic about what I was about to say, right? And honestly, it's when we start to get caught in the energy that's going around, all right, there's no good or bad energy, but there is lower vibrating energy that's soul sucking and then higher vibrating energy that gives us life in all of the things and thoughts and forms and emotions, and my phone has energy to it, you know, this lamp has energy to it. And so what you surround yourself with is what you're gonna take on too, even unconsciously. And so there's a really important piece here of giving yourself time every day, whether you do it through meditation, whether you do it through journaling, here's my journal, right now it's notes for this, whether it's just talking it out with a friend, whoever, getting back down to you and who you are and what you value and what's most important to you, not just right now, but in life in general, because this is a change, but it is temporary and we are all gonna come out better from this. And staying focused on your values, what really lights you up and what you love about life, what you love about your business, what you love about your clients, And when you start to notice yourself creeping into a place or getting ambushed by something that's not aligned with your values, this time among many is a very important time to set boundaries. And that's a very bad word in a lot of people's languages. In in other words, it means saying no. And that means saying no to the news story, saying no to the friend who just wants to call and complain instead of, you know, like take action. Um, It might mean saying no to your business. It might mean saying no to trying to keep your business open. It might mean saying no when a relative is barking at you because you didn't get enough toilet paper at the grocery store, right? Like, whatever. (laughs) Okay. And I think that just because there is a lot of anxiety going around, it's okay. Like, A feeling and emotion is one thing. The stories and all of the stuff, we start to pile on the thoughts. Thoughts and emotions are two different parts of the brain. They're two different different parts of the body. We wanna start differentiating what's truth, which is I feel anxious, I feel scared. And saying that instead of I'm telling this story that is starting to sensationalize or make things a bigger deal than they actually are. They need to be rather.
1: I'm I'm just thinking, um, I've been learning to say no to Anthony a lot. He's like, should we do another podcast tomorrow? Should we do another one the day after? And I was like, No, nope. You've got three a week. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well
2: um, Anthony's such a giver, right? He wants to give and help. <laughs> and um that's a that's one of his values. And you are too, right? And everyone has different <laughs> pieces that they bring to the table and how they operate, you know, and, and what speed they can operate at too. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Some people have a lot more energy, um, but no, you're. it's, it's really, it's a very valid point about just setting the boundaries and just, um, and then just letting people know. And I think people value that. And if they respect you, they'll, they'll um, respect your boundaries as well. Um, because we really, we've got a lot of health professionals getting in contact and fitness professionals too. But if we start with the telehealth, sort of one-to-one physiotherapy consult type thing, Julie, you've been doing it for a long time, right? So tell us how you ended up being, offering this online service, obviously well ahead of what's happening now. Um, and how has that been working for you?
2: I um, started offering this out of necessity, um, not, well, not in this type of way, necessity, but I had quit my clinic job um, while I was on disability leave for cancer, and I um, wasn't really making money um, and realized I needed to start a business and um, couldn't really treat my patients hands on because I was going through cancer treatment. And so a lot of the patients i had been seeing wanted to follow me, so we started doing this was honestly before there was really telehealth. So we started doing sort of mobile visits through Zoom and FaceTime so that they could stay locked in. And I think because I've worked with, as Anthony mentioned, teenagers, it's kind of a, I mean, not that we don't do hands-on with teenagers, but it's kind of a generally hands-off, things don't need to look perfect because teens are a disaster already when they move type of field. And so I kind of figured, okay, well, if I can have that mindset with those types of clients, then I can do this through a computer too, right? Like with somebody who's moving and I can't cue them, you know, Um, that just started to work as my, and that was my PT practice at the time. As I got better, I started to see in-person clients, but some people were traveling or they had three kids at home and they couldn't always come in. And so we would kind of do the same thing. Um, And then telehealth kind of became a thing right as I was transitioning from mostly PT practice into coaching practice. And I just kind of took what I was doing, into my coaching work and providing a lot of remote um, health coaching, business coaching for people and teaching them how to do it all remotely as well. Um, and then by default, we moved out of our home and sold everything and moved into a camper. And now we travel full-time in an Airstream. And so I'm not doing as much physical therapy now, but if I wanted to, I could, and I, it would have to be telehealth because I do not have a location, <laughs> yeah. So
0: you're literally a wandering nomad at the moment.
2: I am literally a wandering nomad. Not at this moment because I'm in a house, but right. um, our camper is <laughs> under repair. But um, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Wow,
0: wow! Mm-hmm. It's um, it's 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 good to be mobile. And um, yeah. you know we've been we've been friends for wow over three years now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's been great to watch that transition and that change. Yeah you know, with, with a lot of what we're seeing out there in terms of uh, telehealth and, and the anxiousness, a lot of it seems to be about um, like what you said, you know, learning how to do what we do, um, practicing that assessment, things like that. Can you expand a little bit more on, on um, how you transitioned some really specific in-person type stuff with people um, into that telehealth world. You already said, you know, movement and exercise with teenagers can't be perfect because there's too much to to try and address all at one time. So that's the way that I translated it in my head. That's um, yes,
2: exactly it, yes. So,
0: <laughs> um, so can you expand a little bit more on some of the other classic PT type stuff, women's health, PT, musculoskeletal, sports performance, um, rehab, uh, can you speak a little bit more about that stuff? Yeah. Just trying to remember, you know, I'm trying to keep the theme, tell us tell us
2: Of course. Well, you know, in terms of just general clinical skill translating, um, I think that the take home is don't overcomplicate anything. And get the information you need from the client in whatever, by whatever means necessary. And it doesn't always have to be the exact way you learned it in school or in the course or anything like that. Give yourself permission to think outside of the box and be creative. Um, and <clears throat> a great example, I actually, I guess this is technically telehealth, although I didn't bill her for it, um, is last week a client of mine, or not a, a coaching client of mine had a this rib pain. And she, um, she called me and um, I was just like, let me help you and figure out like who to get you to in your area. This was before everything shut down. And I just kept asking questions and kept asking questions. And literally I was trained in like an osteopathic based manual method. So I was kind of assessing based on, it really sounded like she had almost like a rib subluxation. Like she couldn't breathe. There was like, there's something really bad going on in there. And so I narrowed it down to this really specific type of dysfunction and then figured out who she needed to see because of it, which we picked a chiropractor who had very similar kind of understanding and training in her area. Sure enough, she got to chiropractor and they did a physical assessment and I was correct. But the take home there is that um, if you ask enough questions and you're subjective, then you'll know exactly like what your screening is, what your diagnosis is in terms of the physical exam, and then what to measure. And then the measurements piece, the objective measurements piece is, I mean, I'm all about functional movement. And so if you're watching someone through a computer, I I always in my clinical practice did video analysis no matter what they came in for. If they had trouble picking up their baby, I was filming them so they could get some feedback um, and kind of see how things were going. Even though I was standing there in front of a mirror with them too, like it gave them something to take home and apply at home without me. And so if you're going to assess movement, you may as well do it through a video, right? You can have them send it to you ahead of time. There's all sorts of things you can do. Um, Like if, if If through Zoom doesn't quite work, you can have their spouse film them on an iPhone and give you the video and you can break it down with them live on Zoom with whatever fancy or not so fancy equipment you have. And so that's kind of what I found was really helpful is video analysis. and obviously you can't sit there and like, take out the goniometer and measure their shoulder, but you'd be surprised like what you can do with a video, with video analysis software, if you're like trying to get a range of motion measurement um, or something like that. Um, and you can't obviously must muscle test, but what we know now, not to invalidate manual muscle testing, but <clears throat> you can have a five out of five glute med and not be able to stand on your leg, right? And not be able to do a single leg squat. And so it, it's really more important to assess um, functional movement and, the, and you can get really complicated with functional movement assessments with all these sort of paradigms on how you rate things, or you can just kind of talk about the quality of the movement and what we know evidence-based that is helpful in general functional movement, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's right, you know, the, a lot of the stuff that I used to, to love doing um, has, been, has had to be reframed. So I really love that approach. And, and, you know, the video software, you can get tools which measure the angles of, on pictures and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, it's, um, it is really handy, particularly when you've got athletes. You know, you can't always see the athlete when you need them or when they need you or whatever. And, um, and, you know, send me a video of your lift, show me what you're doing and I'll exactly. show you what I see. And, um, you know, you can record stuff on that video analysis software and send it back to them. I draw lines everywhere. So it's, it is definitely possible. And that's, and that's through messaging. That's not even through this life exactly. thing, you know, yeah. so, mm-hmm. um, there, there are definitely many options out there, um, mm-hmm. on how to translate those skills over. Um, just a reminder, if you're listening live to us, or even if you're not listening and you're listening on a playback, knock down your questions here. We'll make sure that Julie sees them. Um, any comments that you have, um, let us know about that. Um, I thought I might also ask, uh, and you touched on it earlier, uh, some of those things that you can help clients to calm down. Like we you know, we do need the calming, And one of the best ways that we ask for advice is, hey, Julie, I've got this client who's really anxious in these times of need, um, you know, and they feel like their pelvic floor is tightening up a little bit, or they're feeling a lot of stress and tension in their neck. What are some of the things that you do for them? You know, so hashtag asking for a friend.
2: Yeah, well, I think that just as we would with our clients with physical pain, in terms of stress and needing to calm down, the very first thing, is normalization, decreasing catastrophization of the emotion itself, of the stress itself, and not making stress or an emotion wrong. Um, I was talking about this with a client today who said she's just figuring out that it's human to feel emotions and not wrong, especially those of us who are kind of science-y learners who I just have all the data and I'm just gonna do all the things and stay away from that. And that that's what makes life, life is to, feel emotions and we are this is way more than we can talk about today but we are wired for struggle we are wired for pain we are wired for emotions and that's uh, author Brene Brown calls it vulnerability right and um the action and the magic in human life happens in the vulnerability in the gray area in the non-black and white in the non-control in the uncertainty that's where joy comes that's where growth comes that's where progress comes the only place it comes from um and so What we often do when an emotion gets triggered, um, you feel an unpleasant physical sensation in your body, just like physical pain. It's emotional pain. It may be in your stomach, it may be in your heart, it may be in your throat, it may be somewhere. And it's uncomfortable. We were programmed since little kids that that is wrong or bad and we need to run from it. And the ways we run, we get on our phones and scroll. We start overdoing so all of the doing, all of the learning, all of the webinars, all, no offense, no, all the podcasts, all the things, right? Not and offended,
0: we stop we're describing it so accurately. For,
2: right, we're constantly looking for control. Listen to this podcast, right? We're constantly looking for control of squashing the emotion, that's what you're doing. You are suppressing, master of squashing, okay? But here's the thing, it's like a pot that's boiling, it's just gonna keep going and it will come out. You will snap at your spouse, you'll snap at your kids, you will have a meltdown. All of those things will happen, which is fine. Those are also okay. All right. there. That's called expressing the emotion. But the fastest way literally to handle the emotion is not to manage it. Okay. By like, I'm going to go sit in a quiet room and meditate. It's actually to squash it right when it comes up, which is not squash it. Sorry. Eliminate it when it comes up, which is to surrender to it, to allow it to be there. And what that means this is very well studied in the psychiatry research, is to allow yourself to just sense the experience of the emotion, whatever that is. If your heart's racing, great, let your heart race. You're not having a panic attack, you're not gonna die. And tell yourself that. You have to keep keep that voice up there that's wanting to make it wrong. Tell that voice to shut up and that it's okay. If your stomach is doing somersaults, allow yourself to feel it. You can handle your stomach doing somersaults because it's the same sensation you feel when you're riding a roller coaster and having fun, all right? It's the exact same physical sensation. The brain doesn't know the difference between anxiety and thrill, actually. Um, It's what we label it as that turns it into anxiety, but it's the same thing as feeling thrilled or having fun. And so knowing that, The brain is feeling threatened and it's trying to get you away from the emotion, knowing that that's what we do. And you get a great payoff of dopamine for escaping. And that's why we continue to escape through shutting down or numbing or whatever, any mechanism to escape emotions. Know that you get more dopamine by surrendering to and allowing yourself to feel the emotion. And that the brain can only produce a physical sensation of emotion for two minutes if you allow yourself to actually sit there and feel it. You only have to feel it for two minutes. Set a timer on your phone. Just sit there and feel it, breathe with it, and then move on. It will lessen. And you're not doing it because you're trying to force it to lessen, you're doing it because that's how the brain works and you guys are smart with physiology, okay? And you're gonna outsmart the little sub-brain that's telling you to run and hide, and you're gonna sit there and feel the emotion. That is what I would tell you to do with a client, that's what i tell you to do with yourself, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain. Make it okay. That,
1: that's, a really, that's a really, really useful, Thank you, Julie. I was just thinking. In the last couple of weeks, we've obviously been on this emotional roller coaster, and I had my um, very teary day two days ago. Me
2: too. <laughs>
1: and <laughs> and um, I was trying to do a Facebook live for my my business page to say that I was shutting everything down, and I just I couldn't stop crying. And I ended up doing a um, a pre recorded video, and I still cried in it. But I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put it out because it is it's real. It's real. The truth of how how I'm feeling at the moment, and actually the response was lovely because so many people just sort of said, you know, you know, um, we had a lot of interaction. But yesterday was my husband's day, and he said to me last night, he just said, it's just really hit me, and I feel like shit, like I just yeah, feel right. awful. And it was, and so I think we we're all having this at different times, but it's a really good tip just to say, look, you know, that's okay, we're all having this. Just sit with it for a bit. Don't try and block it and squash it and pretend that it's not there and crack on with a million and one things. Just acknowledge that, acknowledge that sensation and just sit with it for a little bit. I think that's a really, um, really useful tip. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, With just back to the um, telehealth thing, because a lot of people, I think we'll definitely have to talk about technology later, because I think that's a massive block for a lot of people is like, oh, I don't know how to start. That's really hard. But because we've gone through this process of doing an examination, I just want to talk a little bit about um, treatment. Mm -hmm. because people feel that without using these that maybe we don't have as much to offer (laughs) and I think all three of us would would argue that you know so much of what we do is is you know um is listening acknowledging giving advice and guidance and sitting with a person and helping them on their journey you know and exercise is a massive part of that so we could probably come up with a lot of things treatment wise, but I'd love just to hear your thoughts on how, like, if you were speaking to a, a manual therapist right now who is really worried and thinking, I don't have so much to offer. Could you maybe give some tips on, you know, what they can do through telehealth?
2: Yeah, well, Antonia and I were actually talking about this before we got on, um, which is, I think it's more than learning how to do telehealth. I think it's learning a shift in how you are as a clinician, how you show up as a clinician. Um, and um, for some people, they're like, "Cool, whatever, I don't ever touch patients anyway, um, and this is no problem. And for those of you who are, how we're manually trained, and it's how you've built your practice and your business, cool, good for you. There's nothing wrong with you, and there's no shame in that. And I know that there's a lot of shaming going around about that right now. Ha ha, look at you, like, what are you going to do? And that's just the voice of someone else's emotion. That's We'll talk about that later, um, called transference and projection. But Ultimately, um, you can adjust and you can adapt. And um, I think that uh, imagine some of the sessions you have had with clients where you have, like maybe get out a journal and start to really think about In the past, clients were, for whatever reason, they were like averse to manual therapy or it was contraindicated to do a certain type of treatment. Um, Really start to jog your brain. If you're gonna spend time doing something, do this, okay? And write down that client's name, if that'll help you remember what condition you were helping them with and start to just brainstorm, right? Um, What it is that you did that was effective for them. It's very easy for us to say, sure, just educate and coach and talk them through things and guide. And yes, and that is our, it's like the bread and butter of what we really do for people. In fact, 70% of a client's outcomes are based on their own lifestyle. 20% is based on sort of DNA, genetics, sort of internal things in them. 10% is what we do. So we want to use that 10% wisely. So yes, education, speaking, coaching. I only do coaching now for people and it's incredibly effective. But I think there's a piece with the manual therapist who their tool is their hands. And you just need some practice in guiding and coaching and and literally, literally letting go um, and like sitting on your hands. And, you know, you might need to play with it a little bit um, and play with it with your own family members, play with it with friends to where, just as when you were learning a new clinical skill, you practiced on your classmates or you practiced on people that didn't feel as threatening and that's completely okay to do. You can call me, I'll practice with you, that's fine. Um, I can even help you get, get a couple tools under your belt, but ultimately it's a new skill that you're learning and strengthening that muscle. And so you need to start somewhere and ultimately, if your clients are open to working with you through a computer, then they already value for more value you for more than your hands. And you can do it and you just need to get your feet wet and start doing it, even if it feels jumbled and clunky and you don't know what to say or what to look at. It's OK. You can do it, too.
0: Yeah. Such good advice, Julian. what a generous offer to, to have loads and loads we of people. You can work through it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Yeah, you know, that, that manual therapy skill is, um, I'm thinking about all the times that I've taught patients, partners who've come with them and, Mm -hmm. and taught them how to put -hmm. their hands gently on them and how to do some gentle and safe techniques, not, you know, stuff that they would do just because they're giving their partner a massage, you know, um, we're we're not getting them to, to do a cervical manipulation or anything like that. We're not teaching that stuff. So, um, Yeah, it's a really practical and useful way. And and I love how you said, you know, what we do is only 10%, um, you know, so much of their other stuff uh, is so helpful and effective. And, um, you know, that existential threat that I am a manual therapist, I cannot do what I do without my hands on them is, is, you know, it seems to be the source of anxiety for so many people. And, yeah, the gloating doesn't help about people who've been trying to promote things. Um, I totally agree with that. But, you know, let's just support and provide resources. Um, And Megan has actually asked on the Facebook Live about the resources, about some of the mindfulness. So I'm not sure if it's, um, like, a guided... um, Like, a guided how to do that or, like, a paper. Um, Did you want to... That that feeling the emotion and letting it sit. Um, is, is there any specific? I can reference that
2: for you if you'd like. Um, there's a he's now deceased, but he's a physician, psychiatrist, researcher. He actually does research, did research in the the realm of psychiatry and consciousness and human consciousness and the levels of consciousness. Named David Hawkins, and he's written any number of books, I've read them all, um, poured over them. And actually a lot of his methodology is what I bring into my coaching practice. And um, it's so wonderful. And what he really does is bring in, he's written a book called Letting Go, which is the one that I would recommend if you want to like get your feet wet and dive into this. And it's a great way to spend your time right now is reading that, Um, which walks through the the pathway to sort of giving in and allowing the emotions to be in a really safe, comfortable way um, for yourself, for your clients. Honestly, it's gonna be better for your clients if you do it for yourself as well. And we could all use a little bit of letting go right now anyway, yeah.
1: Are you channeling your inner Elsa there, let it go? Yes. We won't start singing, sorry. Just a little frozen moment. Also,
2: just listen to the Elsa song because really the lyrics there are really good. Oh, uh, I
0: wrote a whole blog post around the lyrics, like yeah, the whole right. song. <laughs> oh,
2: my gosh. There's so much about that song in my life, come in and out in really instrumental times. Anthony, I actually have something that you mentioned that I thought about this um, when you first asked me the question about, or Marika added, asked it about these are my tools, hmm. and it's the identity of I am. Um, I am a physical therapist. I am a chiropractor. I am a manual therapist. And this is something I go over with all my business coaching clients from the get-go is to break up your self-identity with your profession and your practice. Um, I practice physical therapy. I practice chiropractic. I practice manual therapy. It's something I choose to honor and it's something I value, but it is not you. And a lot of times we, we confuse actions, doing or money having with being but you are a standalone version of a beautiful human soul that is independent of the money you make, the things you do. And it's that person that, whether we're talking about an interaction with a client, an interaction with a family member, um, sales, marketing, that's the thing that actually is that 10% that creates the biggest impact on the person. And so listening, being present with people, just being yourself, your goofy, whatever self with people is going to be more therapeutic because you're in your highest state of consciousness in that state. You're not trying to be something. You're not trying to have something. You're not trying to prove something or do something. That's gonna be more therapeutic for anyone. And in this time where, we're, where there's all this anxiety of I might of loss, I might not have my practice. I might not have money. I might not be able to do what I want. As long as we attach our identity to having and doing, you will always be at risk for loss from now until forever. And then we could have a whole nother discussion about as long as I attach my identity to having and doing, it's endless pursuit of having more, doing more, et cetera, which is the perfectionist, okay, and the overdoer and overachiever. And so you guys are will never lose your essence no matter what happens with coronavirus or telehealth or not. You are still the same beautiful standalone being. And um, again, call me if you don't believe me and we can talk through that. (laughs) But um, I will shout it from the rooftops till the day I die that you are not a physical therapist. You practice it or whatever.
0: Amen, amen. Which means you can
2: practice something else. You can learn something else. You can learn a new skill. You can learn a new technology. You can change your profession if you'd like. That's fine.
0: (laughs) And all of the skills that we have learned um, that help us to interact with the world are transferable in so many ways. You know, yes. um, so so much of what I try to remind people that I see, as well as the people that I educate, is that you're you're actually paying for what I've distilled through my head, through my brain, not actually what I can do with my hands.
2: Exactly, that's just an
0: output of what's going on as a part of me um so i really do i do love that and being able to separate that identity away from the theories and af- away from what we do some of the things i do i learnt in 1993 or 94 in my first or second year of university you know pt mm-hmm. school um i just do them for different reasons now um it, you know the identity if you put your identity in that theory um and then somebody attacks that theory or your belief then you feel personally attacked and um wow that's such i love the way that you put that um you know yep. separating that and the pursuit of the haves and the pursuits of you know because it's that fear of loss that so much of that anxiety is driving right now right um so you know it's right. almost like resetting your goals and walking towards those goals resetting your identity and and walking in that identity.
2: Yeah, uh, and having no attachment to goals as well, right? Like I had business goals this year and I don't know what's gonna happen with them. And, you know, when you set a goal, always put it in pencil, right? When you make a plan, always do it in pencil, not just because pencil's fun, but, and you can erase it, but symbolically, We don't ever know what's gonna happen tomorrow, as I said earlier, and attaching yourself to having plans is just a perception of control that we don't actually have. You're fooling yourself into believing you have control when we don't. What you have control over is the essence of you, right? And the essence of what's in here, and that you'll never lose. And I can say that with certainty because I closed my business five times while I was going through cancer treatment, on and off, on and off, on and off. Patients in, patients were no longer coming, right? Um, if I didn't have a business, there was still me and life was still going on. And I still felt, I mean, I was going through cancer treatment, not super fun, but like, I still felt alive, right? Um, I lost my sport when I was in college and lost that identity, right? Went through a whole identity crisis with that. I still came out, okay? <laughs> There's lots of letting go and grieving behind it. But so at the end of the day, it's not just about let's practice gratitude for what we have. We're all amazing. But we are okay, even if you have a great financial loss, even if something happens, you guys have made it through 100% of uncertain times in your life because you're still here watching this, okay? And I mean that, 100%, nothing else in your life has a perfect track record, nothing, and, um, And literally every moment is uncertain. And so saying this is so much more uncertain is actually a lie because you can't measure uncertainty. So you can't have more or less, which is just dramatic storytelling. And it just fuels more anxiety by telling yourself dramatic stories. You can choose the stories you choose to subscribe to and believe in either in your own head or from other people's heads coming in. You can't choose your emotions. It's not your fault. That's just normal for humans, right? It's natural. but being very careful what what we tell ourselves about our identity about ourselves about what we believe in is really really important especially right now
0: amen all the amens julie all the amens so so true um and you know that that ability to pivot and sidestep and be resilient come back from any distress that comes you know building that solid base um and that solid base is is just what I'm hearing from you is just understanding who you are and being able to compart, not compartmentalize, just recognize what things contribute to how you interact with the world. I'm reframing as I'm going. Um, But but yeah, you know, your essence, you talked about essence. So, you know, fundamentally, I, I, I am Anthony. And these are some of the things that I do. These are some of the things that I have, but they don't define who I am. Um, right. That's Fantastic. Right. Very good. A plus. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, love it. Catching yourself
2: uh, in that, right? Pardon? It's very interesting catching yourself in even what you're saying, right? Like, I, I am this. I have this. I do this. I always yeah. just say I practice this and I choose to have, right? So then the power yeah. is totally in your words, right? I choose to practice this, I choose to have this, I choose to place value in this, right? Which means you can make another choice anytime.
0: Choose, love it. I'm seeing all the hearts flying up, Um, sensational. So if you are watching on Facebook Live, you know, we'll be heading to the Q&A part. Um, In terms of the technical stuff, um, the technical stuff of telehealth, there seems to be a lot of anxiety about, well, what platform should I use and, um, you know, zoom for healthcare is so expensive i recorded one last night and published it before this podcast um you know what what is your advice about some of the technical things that's going on about uh how to set it up how to record notes consent intake forms all that sort of stuff what's your advice for those people out there
2: as much as necessary and as little as possible. Um, that's my MO, do more with less. So you don't need all the bells and whistles. You don't need to spend all the money all the time and all the energy to learn all the tech. Um, a lot, what I like, and I know that you mentioned about Zoom for healthcare and like Embodyo is coming out with something as well. What I like um, is how some of the, I can only speak to physical therapy because that's my world. Some of the PT documentation systems themselves are coming out with their own integrated telehealth platforms, some of them going faster than others now, to release those. If you've already got the system and you know already know how to use at least the documentation and the sort of scheduling and the billing side of that, um, as long as it's still compliant, I highly recommend sticking with what you know and just learning the tech piece of the video and the recording and all that. Instead of trying to pile on, well, this person recommended this software and that's the best one, and this person recommended this for scheduling and that's the best one as much as you can get integrated as possible is the best. And my, uh, the people I know who do not necessarily in healthcare, but who do sort of like systems management for companies, small businesses will also agree with me as much as you can integrate as possible, especially if you don't have like a virtual assistant or someone helping you manage all the backend is really, really, really important because there is a steep learning curve right now for technology and, you need to learn the technology necessary to keep yourself legal and compliant, to, keep, to get money, okay? And most importantly, to do your craft, which is to help your clients. All the other stuff can wait. The marketing, all those pieces. Right now, you just need to be set up to accept humans and help them, and all the other pieces will come, for sure.
0: Cool, um, yeah, so making sure that we do things in the legal way because we do have to earn that money and focusing on what we do. And it doesn't have to be the fancy high end bells and whistles, just as little as little so that we can do as much as we can.
2: You got it. You guys, okay. the, the craft we have is to make money by helping clients. And so that's where we want to spend most of our times, but do make sure you're legal yes.
0: <laughs> on it. Yes, for got sure. To make sure. It's legal. Um, Cool. There, there have been some comments. So, um, Megan said, thanks. Sandy said, thanks. Um, Alison, uh, is asking something, uh, Stephanie, I will come back to you, Alison, uh, listening from Canada. Amazing that physios around the world are facing the same challenges. Thank you to all. Um, and Alison asks on this topic of manual therapists, how would you help a patient overcome their bias on needing manual and hands-on therapy? I think the a really great question. Great
2: question. <laughs> great question. Okay. So that actually falls into my explanation of your patients are in groups. You kind of want to, um, if you're a, if you're a practice owner or you just kind of own your schedule and you own your caseload, if you work for someone else is to kind of take your caseload right now and break them into groups. You've got the the all-in believers for telehealth. Who you already know that you could get on the phone and read the phone book to them and they're going to be like, cool, whatever you say I'm doing, I don't care that you're touching me or not. Those are the people you want to try and get as clients right now. The the ones who are like manual therapy, ride or die, okay? Um, those clients understand, first of all, that you're going to be trying to turn the Titanic with them, okay? It's not impossible. It can happen. and you should, I hate the word should, but it's a good idea to start planting seeds because we don't know how long this is going to happen. And it's a great service to them to break up that addiction to manual therapy. Um, But what you might need to do is work into your setup, some type of check-in system, some type of like, complimentary 15-minute chat to just catch them up, ask them questions. Um, If they're like, I'm not setting up a session because I only want dry needling, (laughs) right? Then that's okay. Just keeping a resource for them because guess what? At some point, if this goes on for several months, don't let that panic you, Okay, I'm not the government telling you how long it's going to last. then they're, they might still have some pain and they might still want you to help them, okay? And they, they're not gonna go buy needles themselves, I hope, and stick them in their leg, right? So you can start planting seeds, perhaps eventually just by showing you care and showing up as that amazing person you are as we already talked about. They might say, hey, you know what? Like, I've been having trouble with my squats. You know, my back still hurts. I'd love to have some needles. I understand I can't get them. Can you, can you help me with my squats, right? As you're talking to them on these sort of like check-ins, and I'm talking like every two weeks, maybe every three weeks, you're not doing this every day, every week, because then you really do need to build them for your time. Um, you, can, you can talk about the success you've had with other clients through telehealth. You can be sharing stories, stories the way people learn, okay? You can be sharing your own story about how you're changing your practice and how great it's going. So you're just checking in, you're sharing, ultimately just being a good human um, and being a resource for them. Yeah, and that's what you would be doing in real life too. Like as you're trying to break them up from manual therapy, you would be easing into dipping their toe in the water of other stuff without just throwing them up into the deep end of I'm never touching you again. Yeah.
1: I don't know um, how things have been going with you, Anthony, but I've started calling all of my patients since I've yeah. shut down. And um, it's, it's, it's time-consuming, but it's been really rewarding and a big part of that is actually just saying, calling my patients and saying, hey, how are you doing? How are you? Um, and the value in that, and I end up talking to most of them for like 10, 15 minutes, not about not about their pain, just right. checking in, how are you doing? How's life for you right now? And for some it's very stressful. Um, and then just leading that conversation into, look, hey, I'm not treating anyone patient in, in, in person anymore because it's just, I, I just think the risk is too big. Um, this is what I'm doing with my clients. Um, for you, I think this would be a really good idea is we, every probably every two or three weeks, we catch up over telehealth. These are all the things, um, this is how I can help you, basically. And I know that, you know, I can't put my hands on you, but what I don't, the way I sort of talking to my patients is saying I don't want to say goodbye to you now and not see you for six months. I don't want to just send you off without, without some support. Um, I want you to know that I'm here, I'm here to help you and guide you through this next period of time because we don't know how long it's going to take, but I don't want to just send you adrift. Um, But this is how I can help you in the the next few months if it's potentially closed for that long. Um, And pretty much all bar one said, oh, that's great, Um, excellent, okay, can I talk to you in two weeks' time or or whatever. Um, So actually I think while I was very nervous about even mentioning the words telehealth, because I thought most of my patients are going to say no, nah. but actually just opening the conversations and especially starting with the, how are you doing? How's life? Um, was actually really, really lovely. That's, my, that's been my personal experience so far. I've got about 20 patients to call today.
2: It's <laughs> a lot. Well, you're really, what you're doing here is you're, you're basically reestablishing a new business and a new service line. So really a new service line in your business, but for some people, it's a whole new business. So it's a whole new model of relating to your clients. Um, and it's it'd be like if all of a sudden you brought in Pilates to your brick and mortar practice and it's this whole new service that no one's experienced and you kind of want everyone to do it because you spent all the money on all the training. Right. Um, you would start first of all, like in a session with them, I, you know, and what you actually mentioned with how are you is how I recommend everyone start every session. <laughs> That's a great tidbit for when you get back in the clinic too, which is create commonality with each other as humans. Again, being versus doing. I know that we're all looking at the clock, like we've got a bill for this, right? But take five minutes, take 10 minutes, connect with them. That's gonna be more therapeutic for that person than anything you can do with your hands, first of all. Secondly, um, what you're doing is you're you're establishing a different energy of yourself, just you. You're kind of reestablishing who you are with this person as a human that they might be able to relate to, right? And you can be that human, whether it's through a computer or standing next to them on the Pilates reformer or in the manual therapy room, right? And what I also love that you said, I'm going to do what Anthony did, which is paraphrase, um, or at least what I heard, which is you're placing their why on why they should work with you, not on these cool tools and skills and all the things you as a physical therapist offer, but you're placing it on their why, what's important to them that they have this goal that they're working towards, whatever it is, I don't know, let's just say they wanna be able to mow the lawn without pain and, or they wanna be able to go on a run without peeing themselves, right? And you're checking in with them and you're not necessarily talking about physical therapy but you're saying, hey, you know what, like I know how important it is to you to be able to, to run the marathon without peeing yourself and I hate to leave you high and dry, not a, not a reverse pun intended there with leaking. Right. And um, <laughs> like, oh, brilliant. I, I, I have my moments and um, you know, it, this could be a while. And how do you feel about reaching that goal? Like, do you think you can get to it on your own? And they might say, I hadn't even thought about it. I'm too busy trying to find toilet paper. Right. But now that you mention it, right. Like, yeah, I am worried about that. And if it's still a value of theirs, something they want, then that's how you kind of sneak in, not that it's sneaky. This is just you being a human and saying, well, hey, there is some things we can work on that doesn't involve me doing an internal treatment for you and your pelvic floor that can still move that needle forward. There are things that I thought we might work on eventually, but we can go ahead and start working on them now um, and fast track you towards this goal um, or just keep you moving steady, not even fast track towards it. These people don't know, right? Like, that all we know and all the ways we can help them, we show them what we know, and that's what they know about us, right? Like, the only skill, the skills we show them are all that they know, right? But we might have more. But it's not just saying, like, I can do a video analysis and help you with your running through the computer. It's, I can help you reach that goal. And I came up and brainstormed with some innovative ways we can do that right now. They're gonna feel really special. They're gonna be like, oh, you really thought about me? I mean, you did, right? But you didn't really. And, and, and showing them that you really still value them and their goals and that you're invested in them is gonna be more important than saying, putting something on social media and saying, hi, we can do exercise during the, through the computer. People are gonna be like, no, you can't. right so I think what I love is that you're calling your clients too it's like you know 1995 where we pick up the phone and call people instead of text them but even if you have to schedule the calls with them like through email or through a scheduler that's fine but get on the phone and have that spoken conversation for sure
0: yeah for sure that that human contact voice is better than messaging and face-to-face even if it's even if it's FaceTime you know is better than without that all that communication stuff that goes on in there. Love it, love yeah. it, Julie, and um, you know, love turning that around into their goals, um, which is you know what what we do in person anyway. Um, I, I did want to confess a lot of my past. I've confessed a lot of my past, but you know, I I'm not gonna lie. I was super impressed by the types of therapists. Who could walk in and go, no no, don't tell me what's going wrong. Let me put my hands on you and tell you what's wrong. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I could do it. I could do it. Um, for a lot of people, not for everyone. But um but you know, that's <laughs> I've obviously don't I don't do that anymore. Um but all of these things, you know, uh, being able to do um why they're working with you and that motivation piece and remembering that they're a person i uh to change out of that confession the reason why i told the confession was to tell you how i changed um i actually sat there at, at the start of my day arrived half an hour early and just looked at my diary and just thought about that person i didn't even have to read the notes because i knew you know i i was on it and um and just thinking about them and at the end of the session, just really thinking about what did I just do with them. It's like literally 30 seconds. I would I would take them to a reception, I'll come back in, I'll tell the next patient I'll be back in just a minute and I would sit there and I'd finish my notes and then I'd just sit and think about them, 10, 20, 30 seconds and what we just did and what my plans are and looking into the future, what that looks like. And that really helped me remember that they are a person. Um, you know, because, because of the way that I was working. Um, it's so much of what you're saying is resonating. It's resonating with people too. We've got um, Anshul, who's saying, um, watching from Canada and loving this discussion. Sandy uh, Baril is, um, you know, she 100% agrees, being authentic and planting seed. She had her first telehealth uh, client post-op and covered under workers comp and completely happy to get the telehealth Without the hands on, even though he loves it, uh, my clients want support and compassion, and I can see the trust I have built over time, which I did not realise was so important to them. And that's such a wonderful moment that you've shared with us, Sandy. I really appreciate that.
2: Yeah. She also said Thank that it, um,
0: it's easier to start with clients that you really like and are open-minded. So that whole grouping, that you know, your clients. Uh, you know, think about your clients and who are your biggest cheerleaders. And one of the ways um, you can track that is just look at how people are referred and and notice when those same names, hey, you know, so-and-so referred you, like they are the people, they are your cheerleaders. Um, So so that's been really, really great. Um, Oh, I did have something, but obviously it's flown out of my mind because I was paying attention to what you said. Uh, It does. Um, what are some of the tips that you have for, uh, people? Okay. So people I'm hearing are like, you know what? There was somebody I was speaking to this morning. You know what? A lot of what I do is in person. I'm really good with developing rapport in person you know talking about things being able to do manual therapy while having a chat Um, you know a lot of my ex if i just did my exercises with them that would be boring um so you know these people are finding it hard to change the way they work i know you've talked about practicing with the people who are your greatest supporters we've talked about creating that connection and just picking up the phone and starting with conversations with people um but evolving that on uh, because you know, people, I, I think we said on the webinar the other night, just do it, right? Like it's, it's not as scary as you think, take that first step, just do it, get started. Um, are there, specific, every time I give principled advice, I always get, can you just like give me an example? Because people seem to want specific examples. Can you give us something like that?
2: Please.
0: An example of that. what? Uh, yeah, so evolving from that phone call into a telehealth session and okay. like practicing those skills of asking, How are you? and the motivational interviewing type stuff, um, the coaching type of information, like, um, you know, getting coaching skills is something that not a lot of physios have thought about doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Those sorts of things. So, Coaching skills are great for so many things. They're great for the phone call. They're great for all your client sessions. It takes all the onus off you for being responsible for fixing the person, which if that is your jam that you're the fixer, kind of like Anthony described, no judgment and your identity is part of that, right? And that's why you might be feeling a lot of stress right now. Um, And so if you would like to feel less stress, then this is one way to get there Um, in your practice and the actual nuts and bolts of doing the session, which is giving, 10 to 15 minutes of talking. And I mean the client talking (laughs) to you and your listening. And if you're wondering how am I going to bill for that time, let me just go ahead and give you a secret. That's assessment. Okay. And your assessment is, at least in the United States, is built into your treatment codes. So if you're wondering how to bill for listening, that's how it's part of your treatment and you'll be more effective even through telehealth by just listening. And when you're listening, you might be asking questions, but the only things you ask start with two very important words, what or how. That's a motivational interviewing technique. Only thinking in questions. So I always say, where would you like to start? how I start every session and some of my clients, I can feel them through the phone wiggling in their seat because they're like, oh, you're going to make me be in charge, right? And they're so used to someone doing for them that I'm, I'm shifting their own paradigms. And I, I have them fill out a progress form coming in. So I kind of already know what's going on in their life, in their business, whatever, their marketing, whatever's happening. But it also makes them think and be prepared to come into the session with ready to lead the session themselves. And a lot of times um, we go through, I give them some some framework. We go through the top three things that went well since our last session. Um, and sometimes they're really grasping at that. But I say, well, is you didn't punch your husband in the face. Like that's good, right? If that's an improvement. Um, <laughs> top three hiccups to success. I don't, I don't talk about failures. I don't believe in the word failure. Um, but things that maybe got in the way, um, and then um, I ask for the three things that they want to focus on. So, what were your top three successes? What were your top three hiccups? And what are the top three things you want to focus on today? Those all those three questions start Sorry, with what? Julie,
1: to those, um, just to go back to those questions, as I, I do send them out as a form before they come in, so they've already had a chance to reflect on that, and then we just talk about it in the session.
2: Yes. And the tech behind it, right? If you've got a portal, like a client portal, they can submit it through the portal. So it's HIPAA compliant and all that. Um, I don't need to do that in coaching, but um, I still honor confidentiality in the way I do things. But that way we kind of know, and then we've got it in front of us. So it's sort of this way of breaking the silence in case they come in and they're stressed out or they're emotional or they just come off out of traffic, if they're, maybe not right now, but they've just been doing homeschool with their kids and they're like, I don't even know where to start with you. I don't know what to tell you, Julie. Like, I just need a moment. And sometimes that's a great time to just give them a moment to breathe, it's a great time. This may feel awkward for you and this is all the more reason to work on your own emotional letting go, right? To just sit with them and breathe and let them vent, let them just have a moment, let them know it's okay to feel emotions, let them know it's okay to have stress and help them differentiate between stories and emotions and just be with them, right? Um, You guys might be talking about the long lines at the grocery store, that's fine, right? They need someone to talk to more than anything. And so give them that space. Your job is to listen, ask questions. And another great technique is called reflections, where they might say something like, I just don't think this is ever going to get better. A reflection is where you literally say what they exact, exactly what they said with no tone. You just don't think this is ever going to get better. And what it allows them to do is hear what they just said and verify the truth of it because and and hear that they just told a story basically you're not saying you just told a story but you're pointing it out to them you don't say so what you're saying is you don't say that part because it sounds like you're judging them or condescending you just say it back (laughs) and there's skill and practice that comes with that and making that really smooth but try it like just say something back to someone with no inflection no tone no judgment no suggestiveness, you just- A total hard.
1: poker face, total poker face. Total
2: poker face, which is really helpful if you're on a computer, because you're still looking at them, but you can kind of like sit here and hide your, your own squirming and hands where you're like, oh God, right? Um, and, and do that. What A challenging question, Antony's very good at those, are what and how questions. Okay, let me give this to you another way. What if, it, what if you did think it was gonna get better? How would you feel? How, what would your life look like? if it did get better, what would you do with your time? And so you're moving them out of helpless into possibility. Um, and so that 15 minutes or so upfront helps get them narrowed and focused on the work you're gonna do together. And you can bill for it, which is wonderful. Um, and then, what do you wanna to do today? What is gonna be most important to you? We've got these goals we're working on. Again, always restate the goals on our form at the top of the form are their goals we're always working towards, so they see them. <laughs> and then restate, okay, these are the things, what of these do you wanna focus on the most? What's most important to you to get accomplished today? So that way you don't have to be writing the agenda. You don't have to be like, we're gonna do this and this and this, right? There, It's a patient-led treatment. Well, I really wish I, you know, I don't feel like this is going to get better, but I understand what you're saying. Maybe it could. Um, It would be nice if I could just have a way to lift the baby um, without my back hurting in the next week because my husband is not home, right? Great. Well, here are some options on how we can go over ways to make that work. We can work on the lifting itself, we can talk through strategy on how to set up your. Baby's room. You can take the computer in the room with me, uh, with you, right? And show me the setup, and we'll sit there and work on ergonomics, right? Um, we can talk about weight strengthening exercises you can do outside of the baby's room with a kettlebell that's like a baby ish, right? Where you can do functional stuff, right? Like, here are your options. What of those would you like to do? Again, a what question? <laughs> um, I'm not picking. They're like, oh, well, the baby's asleep right now, so I don't want to go in the baby's room. Um, I don't have any kettlebells. I do have a gallon of milk. Could we use that? Like, you can kind of start to play with them. Before you know it, it's going to be 40, 45 minutes of spending some time with this person. (laughs) And then you're going to wrap up with a very similar way that you started. You're assessing. It's where you reassess, kind of measure change outcomes. But instead, it's through questions and talking. How do you feel? Tell me about your body now. Like, you felt this way before. Now you feel this way. You can do a pain rating if you want. If that's your jam, whatever. Um, but lots and qu- lots of questions throughout.
0: Awesome stuff. I love questions, and okay. I love I love um, how you put all of that um, because you know having them choose is fantastic. Now. I am notoriously well, people say that I'm lazy. I know how to work hard, but I don't, you know, I'm kind of lazy in a lot of ways. Um, one of the things I don't like doing is actually programming, um, exercise and a little, a little secret skill that I learned. I don't even know how I came across it. I think it's just because I'm strategic. Um, I say, okay, what's the goal that you want to do? And then what's the step just before it. And, um, and then they, they tell me what that looks like. And at first it's hard, right? It's like, um, the goal is 5K. Okay, what's the step before that? Uh, 4,999 meters, excellent. <laughs> what's what's a step that you feel like you could do, but you couldn't do the 5K? Oh, okay, well maybe 4K, maybe 3.5K.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, and what's the step before that one? And you keep going back until you have them say, Oh, well, until you feel like you're close and then you, you know, every now and then you can slip in a, do you think you could do that step yet? And they're going to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. And whatever they say, it doesn't matter. If they say yes, well, you're there. And if you say no, well, you keep going backwards until they've, and then you know what? I found out all my progressions were there and I didn't even have to make them up. It was fantastic. (laughs) And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's client led, it's person centered care. Um, so you know, just coming to that realization was really helpful for me. And- it's also very
1: goal-centered. It's very goal-centered.
0: Yeah. It, well, it's very focused on what they want to do, right? <laughs> and 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 it's funny what you said earlier about you know being able to let go of goals. It's this is a map, and this is one way to get there.
2: That's right. And we want
0: that. We want that highway so that we can it and go in many different ways we don't want that railroad where we're stuck on having you qualify before we can do the next thing um Mm -hmm. so that's uh that was really helpful um with i saw just a comment um a question for some time from pat Uh, i don't recall hearing tips about how you tend to schedule we've always done it by phone emails but now transitioning do you open up a little on-portal scheduling at a time? Uh, I I think she means releasing times that people can book in, or do you build times that vary when you have open slots for patients to see? How flexible are the hours you offer? Uh, Perhaps point me to where this has been discussed. Um, I hear that's a plea for resources or opinions. (laughs) But um, what are you doing with respect to that? Because um, I think the summary of what I've heard is you, you can say, okay, you have 30 minutes, three, two, one go, or there's a value based kind of range. Um, and then some people are billing per minute, like, you know, 30 minutes is this and other people are saying, uh, this is part of a package and this is what you get in that. And, you know, cause I bill for an hour, but I can go up to a, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think it'll be like 30 minutes up to 45 minutes. Um, Yeah. So time scheduling and the practicalities of bookings, please.
2: So what I recommend is, first of all, we'll talk about your personal schedule and like how you arrange everything. It's one thing when you're in a clinic and there's like one or two or four, whoever many, no judgment at at this moment, clients coming in and there's someone helping you with that. And you've got like a a scheduling system. It's another thing when you're all of a sudden sitting at home (laughs) and you're like, how do I do my time? First and foremost, create yourself business hours, office hours for when you are working and, um, Your client offerings are within those hours and those hours only. And most importantly, those hours need to be hours that you want to work, not what works for all your clients who are now all homeschooling and don't have time. They need to make time, okay? Just like they would when you're in the clinic. Um, If you don't have clients during that time, you need to be doing administrative work. You need to be watching this podcast over and over again. You need to be, um, you know, learning. You need to be doing the things that will help you generate revenue. Um, But that's when you do your administrative stuff, not at 1030 at night. So those are your office hours that involve setting boundaries, telling your spouse, I'm going to be working there this time. You need to shut a door, put yourself in another room. As far as actual booking, getting people in, I recommend an electronic scheduler that is HIPAA compliant. We won't go through the whole list of those today, but a lot of the documentation systems actually have these built in. Um, A lot of people use things like Calendly, Acuity. You just have to see if it's compliant. Um, uh, I use Calendly, um, which is, I don't think it's HIPAA compliant, Um, but again, in coaching, I don't don't fall under that. So it's not as big of a deal for me, but you do need to check on that. Electronic scheduling is so great because the electronic scheduler sets the boundary for you on that time where you might say, oh, yeah, I'll work you in later. It basically serves as your secretary. Um, as far as payment and billing and how what you're billing for and all those things, I always default to legal. So you have to bill for your time, depending on your jurisdiction, depending on your training, depending on your profession, depending on your license. Um And then do you package a number of sessions? Do you pay for like, like whatever? That's really, there's a ways you can get away with those types of things in business. That's what I coach my clients on. But if you're going to provide a super bill to someone, if it's a cash-based business, for example, then there's still a time-based thing that does come in for your CPT codes, US stuff. Um, But you do have to... You have to take that into consideration. Otherwise, you're walking the line legally and ethically. Um, But there are ways to do programs, pay in advance memberships with that kind of stuff, um, which you can do. You still do have to have a way to use your CPT codes. Um, As far as, um, Anthony, what you said about... Did I answer all your questions? Did I hit all the points?
0: Yeah, I think so. Scheduling, opening it up. Um, you know, we were talking to, um, we were talking to Susan Clinton the other night and she, you know, she emphasized that scheduling, which is fantastic. Uh, so scheduling, opening it up, paying advanced packages, yeah. uh, billing, making sure everything's legal, making sure the scheduling software is HIPAA compliant. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. so, you know, things mm-hmm. are changing all the time. So, um, Pat has asked a question. Um, there's two things. So I'll ask this very last one. Do you, do you allow extra time for connection issues? She does have electronic scheduling. Do you allow extra time for uh, connection issues? That's a quick answer. Um, I, I sure. do a little bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's just a little bit slower to start with. So start, mm-hmm. start longer and you just get better at it. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a list of things that helps make things connect real quick. Um, really conscious of your time. Uh, Julie, really appreciate your time. I just had this radical idea. We don't have, we're not doing it right now, but um, people do like to see how things are done. And I was wondering if you're happy to, and I'm happy to pay you to be honest, of doing a coaching session with me so that we can put that public online so that people can see some of the coaching skills and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, some of that stuff.
2: um, Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to do it around, is my business going to go under? I'm like what do I need to do or like how do I make telehealth work we can do it around that or we can do it around anything but absolutely mm-hmm.
0: sure I'm happy to do it well, on anything I will um s- in, sorry just on that in terms of
1: resources I know that uh, Rob Vining and the telehealth yeah. PT providers group, group have a really good YouTube list um and they actually have patient demonstrations like someone with a knee issue a shoulder and elbow so just some of those more common muscle conditions too so if you're not part of that telehealth oh, pt providers group and you want to know more about telehealth definitely worth jumping in there as well because there's quite a few resources. definitely worth it
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah we'll,
0: we'll put that link group. in the show notes as well um mm-hmm. and i saw a whole bunch of likes and hearts and thumbs up for um doing the coaching call so if you're oh, agreeable good. to that yeah um, of course absolutely <laughs> that will be, be that'd fun. be lovely i'm happy to subject my brain and all my vulnerabilities <laughs> and insecurities to the world <laughs>
2: My favourite thing in the world is to bend your brain, Anthony. Sometimes it's about teenagers, but today it can be about whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's the same thing, right? Like I behave Brilliant. like a teenager. I get told that.
1: <laughs> um, Julie, can I ask one last quick question? And um, sure. this is, I know this is today, the 24th of March for you, 25th for us in Australia. A well, uh, question that we're getting asked a lot about is um, private health insurance rebates, Medicare rebates, etc. As things currently stand in Australia, um, we can't because I saw someone, um, a friend actually posted saying on her Instagram saying, you know, to patients, yeah, we, you, we'll, we'll give you your receipt so you can get your health insurance rebate. And I was like, pretty sure that's not gone through yet. So currently we don't we can't um, our patients can't claim they can for workers comp. And do you know about motor vehicle stuff, Anthony? No, no. Um, so do you know what the case is in America? Is it state by state? As of today, Absolutely. do you know what's happening?
2: Um, I do not know about Medicare as of today because my head has been in the sand in client sessions all day today and I have not read the news. Um, full disclosure. <laughs> so, um, but as far as private payers go, um, what I do know is it, is it is state by state with private payers. Um, with, um, that means like private insurances and you have to um, call ahead and like, if you accept insurance, you have to call the payers and ask not just about telehealth, but about telehealth for physical therapy services specifically or whatever chiropractic massage, whatever it is um, and be very, very specific. Ask again and again and again and get it in writing um, for that. Um, word on the street is private payers are gonna start coming along. Medicare, okay, what I know from like two days ago is Medicare is working on it um, for um, for physical therapists, but there's some things coming with that. I don't know if that's been changed today. But what we know, as we know, in most insurance in the United States is what Medicare does, eventually private payers will follow. Um, but for now, play conservative, be safe with it. Um, and don't do anything that's out of your insurance contracts with anyone because that can get you in trouble, for sure. We don't want that.
0: We don't want that. So basically, be really specific. Get it in writing. Check your mm-hmm. local bit. I hear that uh, in Canada, um, insurance companies uh, are changing. People are showing me pictures of you know uh, approvals. I'm sure that things will change in Australia. New Zealand, mm-hmm. I don't know about. The UK, I don't know about. Um, and America is very dynamic. It's it's great that you have 50 states, and it sucks that you have I 50 know. different regulatory really bodies does. that you've got to deal with. Um, and, and crossing state lines, you know, like crazy.
2: That's really vague right now, too, um, for physical therapists specifically. Like, can you, can't you? Some healthcare providers can, uh, like physicians, nurse practitioners. Um, those kinds have been given approval to do that. It's, it's still... I think it's, again, I had not watch the news today. It's very fluid. Um, yeah, so double check, triple check, call your state board, call your the state professional association. So I live in Georgia. It would be PTAG. Um, the APTA is constantly on this for us. Um, so check on that every day if you must. What I do recommend is checking directly from those sources and or the payers that you're in contract with watch out the discussions in the Facebook groups, which are wonderful, but there's a lot of gossip going on and misinformation. I know Rob Binding and his group is doing a good job of trying to like control all that. But um, if someone can do it in another state, it doesn't necessarily mean you can. So, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. Um, We had Megan said, yes, insurance companies in Canada are getting on board so that's good i'm just checking the final comments uh, but really really appreciate your time julie I really pleasure. love Absolutely. talking to you um love what you're doing out there um you know you've you've got that book that we talked about um you've got your coaching business um so business coaching mentoring as well as health coaching right um mm-hmm. and you are an online business Uh, where can people find you we'll put all the links in the show notes of course but where can people find you and uh, what are some of the things that you've got going on
2: Um, you can definitely find me on social all the socials all the handles at at dr. Julie Granger I'm very active mostly on Instagram and Facebook Um, I have a course actually um, that I'm teaching two healthcare providers, physical therapists, wellness professionals, fitness professionals that it's called the Be the Boss of Your Career course, which really takes you from start to finish from what we talked about tonight, really identifying who standalone you is, who the being is that's showing up for your clients, who that authentic voice is. Setting up, usually it's for business owners, although we do have some non-business owners in there who just want to like really create a niche and a name for themselves. Setting up the nuts and bolts of your practice, um, Less is more, as I've talked about a lot tonight. Like, What's the minimum necessary you need to do on all fronts, legal, financial, all the things, to really be sound and not kill yourself in the process? That's kind of my MO, is you should have fun doing what you're doing. Um, And then messaging, branding, how to really find your voice and convey that to clients during sessions, as we talked about today in your marketing in terms of your branding, what what presence of you is put out there in spoken and written form, and how you actually really connect with people beyond the level of telling them what you do, but really your why, and you have to know who you are for that. Um, And then we go into these coaching skills um, for communicating effectively with, with clients, but also for sales skills. Believe it or not, you need to have sales skills. Online business and lots of things for marketing. Um, really important piece, not just for s- actual money sales, but for getting people to buy in. Um, and then we go into the most effective ways to market yourself um, online and offline. Offline is the secret to online business, actually. You need to spend your most time doing offline connection with people. Um, and then lastly, how to make this sustainable for scaling, um, whether it is you want to truly move beyond trading hours for dollars and like a lot of people at once in groups or courses or programs or things like that. Or you just want to hire a team and start to go that way with a business. So that's the course I teach. Um, it's sort of my private coaching method in a course. I love it. It's so much fun. It actually starts a week from now. <laughs> yeah. Super fun. I'm looking forward to that. Anthony, just mute you himself.
1: You muted yourself.
0: Sorry. I can't hear you. Uh, I thought that was me. <laughs> um so yeah that's great i saw on the um on that page uh being the boss page um that it's almost full right so
2: almost full yeah
0: there's only a few places left so go check that out and um okay Mm -hmm. so i it's my task to try and do the super wrap up um so telly sanity um you know there's so much about telly sanity um so we're going to we're going to try and keep it simple, uh, you know. Really, really think about how you're associating, and um, I think a, a big summary is know who you are. Really try to figure out know who uh, who you are, and what you choose to practice and what you choose to have. Uh, I think that summarizes so much of what we talked about, and we talked really specifically about a whole bunch of things um, about that. Um, you know, we talked about translating those skills that the awesome skills that we all have in person into those online consults and, you know, really seeing people as um, as a person, really being able to connect with people um, and and, you know, so much of what goes on in terms of their outcomes are not to do with us anyway um it's to do with what's going on around them so being able to coach them through that mm-hmm. and uh, we we talked a little bit later about coaching skills um and that emotions are not wrong uh you know hashtag asking for a friend you know what what are some of the ways that we can calm down um just acknowledging what we're feeling what we're experiencing letting it sit we've got the higher order brain so letting that tamp down that lower order brain, that panic, that fear, observing it, letting it sit. And, um, you know, I, I, thought that that was really powerful, that mindfulness part of it. Um, so that was great. Um, you know, letting go, um, you know, you mentioned David Hawkins and and some of the uh, the resources. You, you mentioned how many books you've read of his, um, and just allowing okay. those motion emotions to be done in the same way. And that whole I am, um, and choosing to practice. Um, we we talked about the legal compliance. We talked about um, you know how how do we how do we do the subjective? How do we do the objective? How do we do the treatment and management? Um, we've gone through a lot of that, which hopefully will help people, um, you know, get that feeling of, of reassurance that they've got this, they don't have to rush into it, do as little as, as you need to, to do as much as you can, which I think is a, such a great, such a great saying. Love it, love it. Um, you talked about breaking people up into groups, talked about, um, you know, to make it easier You've got your cheerleaders, so focus on them and connect with them, and and um, you know being able to do that. And you've got your manual therapy, ride or die people, but you you can really um, still sow the seeds with them. And it's like turning the Titanic. You know, I, I use the tugboat cruise liner thing all the time. You know, you don't turn boats around by running your tugboat into the front of a cruise liner. Uh, right. It's really about getting alongside and supporting them and gently moving the needle um, as you've alluded to as well. And one of the things that you said was share stories because people learn from stories. And I I love that too, I had to learn that. And so learning how to share a story is really, really important. Um, and placing the why of what they're working on, um, place it on them, remind them that you're interested in what they want to do. And you're interested in them and starting with that, how are you? And, and going from there and you, you know, you gave us such great information about the forms you use. Some people use an exit form. So a reflection at the, yeah. So Mm -hmm. a reflection at the end of the consult to so that they can summarize it. Um, and I believe that Google forms is HIPAA compliant. If you have the BAA G suite thing. Um, which is what I'm using Um, and you know what they want to do making sure that we set our personal schedule and see the patients when see the clients see the people when we want to work is really important and they do have to make time and everybody is running around and struggling at the moment Uh, so setting those boundaries for self-care so that you can continue to help other people I think was really really important we talked about the nuts and bolts of billing and scheduling, and um, how am I going? I think, I think you know. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I, don't know. I I think um, it's been uh it's been fantastic. Pat has said these presentations are like around the world hug. I agree. Oh, I yeah. love
1: that, That's so nice. You know, I,
0: I love that Pat. we can connect. I love that you're in Atlanta. And by the way, I loved my time in Atlanta big hug um, yeah oh, no. love atlanta big hugs and i always love hugs i always feel weird you know because i never want to be accused of being that guy that goes to hug everybody but if you come and give me a hug i'll give you a hug back. Oh, um, <laughs> i'm <laughs> such a hugger you. <laughs> um so yes fantastic so those of you who are listening if you found that really helpful i know we covered a lot i know this is a a, a long podcast but it's got so much great material and why we wanted to get mm. Julie on. And we really appreciate your time, really appreciate how much yeah. you've given to the profession. And I have, like, I still remember, do you remember when we went to dinner at Atlanta, it was, it was a big thing and we were sitting on the end of the table. And I think you even had like the pointy little bit of the table and, and you were telling <laughs> me right. your cancer story. And um, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was,
2: wasn't it? It was three years yeah. ago. It was, crazy. it was three
0: years yeah. ago. But, um, you know, being able to stay in touch with you over all this time has been fantastic and, and love what you're doing. And, um, you know, you. we don't get any commissions for doing this. You've donated your time. We haven't paid you. So um, mm-hmm. really appreciate what you've given us tonight. Thank so, you, Julie. Yeah. So practical, so helpful. And hopefully we can schedule and get up um, just a, a, a health coaching Consult or whatever talking about whatever. business, we can make it on business uh, just so that people can see the nuts and bolts of one way, not the way, one way that one it end. is done, just so that they can see um, and try to find as many of these as possible so that they can um, feel confident about taking that first step. And taking that first step is the hardest. And once you've done it, you know, we've all done it. Uh, it is. It is sustainable. It is scalable. It is. Can we speak? Um, it is. With, uh, Sorry, our, pri- our, our, our prime, prime minister. minister has been saying that every
1: day. Oh my God. Yeah. Our measures must yeah. be sustainable and scalable. Sustainable. It's a new drinking yeah. game. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, Julie, I just wanted to say. Look what Trump said.
1: Yeah. I Just wanted to say on a personal note, thank you so much. Um, I've been, if you see my my picture moving up and down, it's because I'm typing notes at the same time. I'm just, oh, uh, I my, my, my brain kind of, I forget things really easily, especially because I'm tired at the moment. But mm-hmm. uh, as you were talking, I could think of so many ways that I could, um, or so many good tips that I'm immediately thinking of uh, how I'm going to put into the telehealth side of things, because uh, yeah, it, it was so valuable. Honestly, I, I really, I really love that. And just even the the little form that you send out beforehand, I think that just takes so much stress off because a patient is literally coming, clients telling you what they need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how much easier is that? Like that that's I think a brilliant way of doing it. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that from you.
2: Do um, it straight away. Not and, mine. I stole yeah. it from someone else.
1: So <laughs> excellent. No, I think that's really valuable because it just it just anything that I think we can in, as individual clinicians just take on board to make this transition easier I think is going to be great because, you know, we're all all heading in that direction, but it's a little bit scary. Um, It's new, it's different, but, uh, and like Anthony was saying before, I think we would just encourage everyone just to jump on it, give it a go, don't be afraid of it. Um, I was doing one with a client yesterday and it was a a male chronic pelvic pain client and I thought I have no idea how this is going to go. And actually it was, really good like i i actually found myself thoroughly enjoying it but i think because so much of it was just just listening and reflecting and finding out what his goals are what he's been doing and allowing him to tell me what's working and what's not and Mm -hmm. it was very much patient driven and um it it was a very well he said it was a really helpful and so (laughs) so that's great but it is but it's a different way of working so it's a little bit um yeah it's it's a bit nerve-wracking for a lot of us making that transition but i think in many ways we've just got to take the leap and have a go and not let fear hold us back from this. That's right. Yeah.
2: That's right. Fear is a sign so, that you're right on the edge of your comfort zone and you're about to grow. So you may as well we're leave. growing. Go for it. We're growing. <laughs>
1: yeah. So um, yeah. we'll wrap it up today because we've we've been on the, on the, Um, podcast now for an hour and a half and it has been absolutely amazing and thank you to everyone who has been commenting on the Facebook post Anthony's been checking that regularly so if you see his face doing this quite a lot that's because he's doing that if you see me doing this that's because I'm typing notes as we go Um, it's been absolutely brilliant and anyone who's enjoyed this please share it with your friends share it wherever you wherever you can and um pop the questions in the post and we can pass them on to Julie Granger um and she will come Come back, and obviously she's got a course coming up next week. There's only a few spots, so you better get in quick if you want to learn from Julie. And I can, oh wow, I think it'll be amazing. So um, definitely jump on board that. Yeah, please, yes, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Julie. Anything you want to? Any parting parting words?
2: I mean, I think that really the only speaking to sustainability, although that's it's one of my favorite words because it's do more with less. It's you know work smarter, not harder. Like the only way to really um, have sustainable growth or success or health—physical health, business health, patient health—is is definitely to take action. So I don't want, don't want to want to hear that we said don't do, just be. Like, is to take action, but to do it from a place of love and not fear. It's okay to feel the fear and let it go. But when we take action from a place of love, we don't have to do as much. The energy to get to the the same outcome will be so much less, therefore it's more sustainable. We'll have more joy, we'll have more fun. And so if you're coming from a place of panic and frenzy right now, push pause. Take a step back, take a 30,000 foot view and remember that Rome wasn't built in a day. The tugboat, cruise ship analogy, Titanic, that You're asking yourself to learn an entirely new skill set. You're asking yourself to learn basically a whole new service line or new business. And when you go faster, you slow yourself down. Tortoise in the hare analogy, right? Be the tortoise. (laughs) Slow and steady wins the race. There's no race here anyway. There's enough clients out there for everyone. There's no race to try and get everyone to come to you for telehealth. And life is going on. Take care of yourselves right now as well. Make sure your basic needs are being met, including your own emotional needs, and you have a great tool for that.
0: Fantastic. Really appreciate your words of wisdom, Julie. Um, All right, like, share, subscribe, um, and drop a comment, interact. Julie's fantastic with getting back to comments, so please do that no matter when you're watching this recording. And I'll stop the live stream, but you two can hang around. Thank you. Okay. well that's it for this episode be sure to hit like if you enjoyed the episode and leave any comments or questions below we'd really like to hear from you
1: if you haven't already hit subscribe please do so now so that you can be kept notified when we release our next episode
0: otherwise thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the women's
2: health podcast